Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make an income while traveling the world. And uh, on this episode, we have a very special guest who is actually currently, as we're recording this, in the midst of a massive summit called the International Speaker Summit, which I've been actually following. And that's how I found out about James, just by actually watching his summit. And uh, he took time out of his busy summit to actually be on the interview with us. Uh, so James is an international professional paid speaker focusing in the area of business and life creativity. And I think we all need to be more creative. He also is a digital nomad in the sense he's worked, traveled, and lived in many cities around the world, including my hometown of Vancouver, BC, Canada. He's originally from uh, just outside of London in the UK, and uh, he's currently there now, but uh, who knows where the road will take him as a speaker. Uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself, James. Um, you know how you say it is like, what's happening in, in your life right now? But tell us a little <laughs> bit about your background and who you are, James. Yeah, so so uh, as you said, I'm a, I'm a professional a keynote speaker, and I also have a number of brands and businesses. We run lots of incredible uh, experiential retreats around the world in different places, and then we have lots of online courses. And essentially, my my main focus is I look to help individuals and organizations maximize, monetize, and market their creativity. So uh, so the 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 if going 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 way back just before we came on, I was kind of reflecting on it just now and. In, you know, kind of being a digital nomad is in my blood. My my family, we come from gypsy roots. So we we came we come from a Roma, Roma gypsies. So uh, you know, I actually at one point I actually kind of on my Twitter I actually called myself a digital gypsy because a gypsy is very similar to a nomad uh, in in that way. So um, I was brought up. My my father was a musician, traveling touring musician. So I'm I've always kind of grown up living either on the road or being very comfortable with living that and and being in different places. Awesome, James. So you uh, are just from outside of London. Uh, tell us about uh, how did your nomadic journey around the world begin? Uh, tell us about that uh, kind of the beginning, the origin story. Well, it's funny because obviously you talk a lot with parents and families that kind of go around the world. And for me, it began when my father was touring around the world as a musician and he would bring me with him. Uh, I remember like six months old being like taken to California for the first time and being on tour and traveling around that place. Um, so my early years, as much time as possible, when I wasn't at school and things, I would be on, I'd be traveling with, with, with the family and we would be going to different places and uh, seeing different parts of Europe or different parts of America or Canada. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of, the, I think the bug kind of started early. Uh, if, if you're used to kind of living like that and you kind of enjoy that and you enjoy the experiences of, of doing that, that's kind of where, that's probably where it began for me. But then like everyone else, you kind of like go to college and you do all the regular stuff. Um, building a business, you know, it wasn't much, but we're starting to build a, a build a business. And then about when was it about 2010, um, I got a call one day from one of the original founding guys from AOL. And he said to me, uh, James, I've seen all the stuff you're doing. You're building all these online programs and all these different things. Would you come over and join me in California? and help us build this business that we were building together, which is in their case, it was online music schools. So at that point I kind of said, well, do I want to leave the cold, wet shores of the UK to go to warm, sunny California? That was my decision. <laughs> so my uh, wife and I- Easy decision, like, right? Easy decision, easy, very easy decision. And my wife and I wanted like the next plane. And we, we kind of went over there and we spent a number of years living in, in California and just loving that. And that kind of started it again. And kind of once kind of that picked it back up again. And I was in a fortunate position. I could basically live anywhere, work anywhere. 
And so my wife and I just kind of sat down. We, what do we want to do? How do we want to structure our lives? You kind of do the exercise. Like, what do you want? What is the perfect 365 days? Uh, and then we then we think about well how can we create the businesses around that and the revenue streams around that to to facilitate that and and I was also very lucky um, in one respect you know I I was I've always been an entrepreneur and a speaker and, and traveling and doing that um, but my wife is is a jazz singer so she's also super familiar with being you know traveling and and speaking in different places so even though we've got different businesses would be spend a month in Australia or offer to go into the speaking thing in, in America and we go in time there. So it's actually really good for you have businesses so you don't you don't get like you're not totally on top of each other with the businesses all the time. But well together. Awesome, James. Uh, so tell us about your speaking career. Um, you know, uh, obviously you can speak on many different topics. So why did you choose this particular niche? It is very niche. I don't know any other professional speakers who focus on business creativity. Yeah. So, I mean, it came about because I remember seeing a guy when I was kind of probably in my early 20s, and his name uh, was Edward de Bono. And Edward de Bono came up with this thing. It was called uh, Six Thinking Hats. So sometimes you'll hear in organizations where they'll say, well, this person's thinking with a black hat, this person's thinking with a green hat. And it's basically just a way of thinking creativity. And he believed, like I believe, that, that everyone is born with creativity. It's just like, as Picasso said, you know, every, every child is born creative. The problem is how to stay creative once you grow up. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's knocked out of you. It's knocked out of your school. It's knocked out of your university or in business and work. So for me, I was really passionate about how can I help more people reconnect with that, that creativity. And Edward de Bono was like one of the first guys to do that. And he was a speaker. He spoke on, he didn't really call creativity. We'd call it um, lateral thinking was a phrase that he used. But it was kind of, it's basically creativity. And then he had, when the first guys was going traveling all around the world, consulting and speaking on creativity. So it's a kind of a niche, but then there's, there's a kind of other people that have gone before me and I've done it in different ways. The only difference is where he would have built his business by going and speaking in small rooms and then gradually speaking in bigger rooms. For someone like me, because we have online, I can do webinars, I can do podcasts like you, you're doing just now, I can do online summits. So that allows me to build my tribe without actually having to go and play and speak in small rooms of like 100 people or something. And then when I do come eventually come out and speak and do keynote speaking, then it's much larger audiences or if or I keep them really small and do retreats, but these people are like super focused on what I'm interested in as well. Awesome. Yeah, definitely the internet has changed everything uh, for speakers, for consultants, for bloggers, for pretty much everyone on the planet. So uh, James, uh, tell us about uh, some ways that we can be more creative because I think I know, I know for me, I want to be more creative and I'm sure most of our listeners <laughs> and viewers want to be more creative as well. So what would you say are your top tips to be more creative? Um, there's basically five different ways. There's five different steps in the creative process. Step one is this preparation stage, the stage where, let's say if you're working on a new, a new project, doesn't matter what the project is, you kind of have to go in and kind of go deep on something and really do all the research and do all the learning. And it's been found that that stage in the creative process, it's best if you do it in quieter places, you know, quieter work, work environments to, to do that stuff. Then we come up to the next stage, which is the incubation stage. And it's that stage where you basically have to 
go away, step away from it, from the project for a while, and just let things percolate in the back of your mind. What's actually going on is your, your brain is actually figuring it all out and looking for patterns, but you actually need to think about something else for a while. And that's why travel can be amazing for that, because if you're really focused on something, like for me personally, I like to do a lot of the preparation of my projects when I'm at home. In our, uh, we've, got, uh, we've got a home in the UK and a home in Italy. When I'm at my home base, that's when I can do all my preparation. But then I need to step out of that, go and do some traveling, go do something completely different, because that's that's the point. Then you start to get the third stage, which is called the insights or the aha moments. And it's like it's one of the reasons why I don't know if you've ever experienced this yourself, Ricky, where you get some of your best ideas in the shower. Have you ever had that before? Like you're in the shower. Uh, and yeah, absolutely. Just like, I find in the shower or late at night, uh, for some reason, at like midnight yeah. or one or two a.m., I'm just like in my bed, and all of a sudden I get these great ideas, and I actually pull out my smartphone and I type them away. It's hard to do that in the shower because no, of exactly. rain and the, the lack of uh, obviously um, waterproof phone I have. Uh, but yeah, definitely, I would agree that the phone and late at nights are my two of my creative moments. So what's going on there is basically two. One thing is that you're in a more relaxed state. So your your kind of your your brain is in the right. So when you wake up in the morning, what's happened is often you've thought about the thing the day before or the night before. So your brain in the background has been working on it and churning it and looking for patterns and things. And then when you wake up in the morning, your brain is in that kind of unstructured, fuzzy, unconventional. Because unconventional is actually being is very useful for being creative. And so that's why you'll often get those ideas because you've got all these alpha waves kind of flushing through the through the brain, and you'll get kind of get these insights. But but if you hadn't have done that work beforehand, that preparation and thinking about and letting incubate, then you wouldn't get those insights. And then once you get the insight, we have multiple insight. Then the next stage, which I know a lot of very creative people struggle with, is the evaluation stage. It's deciding I've got all these ideas, but which ones should I pursue? And there's a number of ways. You know, a friend of mine, Chris Gilbo, the writer, talks a lot about this as well, um, about how you analyze which which opportunities to pursue. And then the final stage is just the elaboration stage where you actually have to kind of go and build it out. But there's a couple of really cool things like little creativity hacks I often speak about. One is about caffeine. So caffeine is super useful at the preparation stage, the first stage, and the last stage, the elaboration stage. But uh, Martha Farrar, who's a neuroscience professor at U uh, University of Pennsylvania, did a big study on, on looking at caffeine and creativity. And what she's found is that your likelihood of having insights, creative insights, aha moments, are reduced if you have high levels of caffeine. So when you're in those middle stages, you actually want to dial back on the caffeine, maybe drink tea or water or some, something else, because when you're pumped up all the time, it's not, not it will be slightly unwound to have those real, really great kind of creative insights. Uh, awesome. Uh, you know, if people wanted to find out more about that part of your business, because I, I would love to keep, uh, you know, focusing on the creative element. And I know you do obviously uh, have keynote speeches about this, product service online. So is there any place where people can find out more about that part of your business, the creative elements? Yeah, if they just go to jamestaylor.me forward slash free, free, F-R-E-E. -E. Um, I have a, a free book there about the creativity, the creative process. I think we've got some free videos, some infographics and other things. We'll basically kind of go into this in much more depth and, and, and teach you some of these different steps and stages and what to do and how, how to get the most. Because, I mean, this is I think this is the, the key thing is um, place is actually really important in the creative process. Um, and and I spoke to uh, recently I spoke to um, Rolf Potts, 
uh, about this. Um, Rolf Potts, who wrote Vagabonding, great book if you're if you're into the digital nomad, classic book in, in that. And so yes. he spoke about it as well, and he said, you know, he's always writing and always doing you know, doing things when he's on the road and traveling, but he also comes back to his home base when he has to do some of that kind of deeper type of work as well. In his case, I think he's in Kansas. He has a farm in Kansas. So I, I think one of the fun things about being a digital nomad is you can switch between these different worlds. You can like go and do all the traveling and moving about a lot. And then you can say, okay, I'm going to be like in this one place. It doesn't have to be your home. It could be like this one city, one country for a prolonged period of time. So I can really focus on on those you know the elaboration stage that we spoke about and you, and you can mix up all the time yeah you know that's definitely a great benefit of being a digital nomad is you have that flexibility and the freedom so for example uh, uh we've been traveling for about six months continuously and for the first five six months it was very much of a fast travel uh we were in uh philippines where my wife's from then hong kong dubai south africa Brazil, Argentina, Paraguay. But then we actually started slowing down because uh, part of it was exhaustion. We were just tired of uh, packing and packing, moving, yeah. finding a hotel, et cetera. But then I, I found really uh, in Guyana, Suriname, and now in Trinidad, I've really slowed down and I'm focusing much more on my business. So recording these interviews, I've actually recorded almost 90 interviews mm. in six weeks, which is uh, remarkable. Proud of myself Man. for doing that. And uh, yeah, I definitely can relate to what you're saying about that. Uh, the switch between the yeah. travel side and the digital side. But I think it's important that you did that, what you did, you did and I, I did a similar thing as well. I remember when I exited from the business in, in California and I basically had a, a one year where I couldn't really compete in that same business, in that same industry. So my wife and I said, well, what are we gonna do? So we went and lived in, in, uh, in Chiang Mai in Northern Thailand for you know three months of that. Then we lived in uh, Italy for some time and then we lived in Vancouver for some time as well. So it was kind of like on the go a lot, but I think it was really useful to do that because it gave us fresh inspiration, fresh ideas. And then when we finally decided to, okay, now we need to sit somewhere and be somewhere for maybe a slightly more prolonged period and travel in a slightly different way. And then we do that and then we go back out on the road and we do all the, the mad stuff again. Yeah, definitely. It's an ebb and flow, you know, uh, figuring out what works, yeah. what works. And uh, that's the, the beauty of uh, being uh, more nomadic and also being a speaker. I mean, uh, a speaker isn't the, the sense of a digital nomad in the traditional sense you're making money online. Uh, I mean, mm. obviously, you can do speeches through webinars, a uh, little bit of a different type of speech. But typically, when we think of speaking, we think a live event in front of an audience, either a small meetup or a workshop or like a big conference for, you know, a few hundred or a few thousand. So tell us about yeah. uh, some of your uh, speaking gigs around the world. Do you have any favorite places that you have spoken at uh, in terms of both the location and also about the event or conference? Sure. I mean, I think what might be useful is when we're thinking about speaking, there are, there are so many different options for you to, 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 you know, have an incredible lifestyle as a speaker and, and, and also be the digital nomad and traveling. So we often know about different types of speakers. So there's keynote speakers. So these are the people that are paid the 5,000, 10,000, $15,000 plus to go and speak at business, primarily business conferences or association conferences. Um, so for those kind of speakers, um, it's a case of just like flying in, moving in to go somewhere like my friend, Frederick Haran, he loves traveling. He's always traveling and he loves that because he's like every week he's in a different city, a different country speaking at a different convention. And then what he does, he, he does that throughout, um, basically from September until May and or maybe April. And then he basically has the entire summer off because he owns an Island in, uh, in Sweden. 
and he just it was him and his family and they just go and spend time in the family because he worked out he can actually spend more quality time with his family by doing it that way rather than like just coming back every weekend and getting a little short period of time he can spend really concentrated time together so you can do that as a keynote speaker and you can build up a career as a keynote speaker you can also build up a career is what we often call as a platform speaker. So they're often people that will go, you'll go and speak much of the time, but what you're selling at the end, maybe you do six speak for 60 minutes, and the last 15 minutes you'll say, hey, and if you're interested in learning more, then you can sign up for my um, webinar series or sign up for my online course or sign up for this two-day workshop that I'm going to doing. So they're called platform speakers. And the interesting thing about platform speakers is statistically, the platform speakers are much bigger in terms of their earning potential. So if you think about someone like a Tony Robbins or uh, a, maybe a Deepak Chopra or a Jack Canfield or many of those kind of big, the big speakers we think about, pretty much they're all platform speakers. They're all primarily either having their own events or they're going and speaking in order to sell events, what we call something in the back of the room. So that's another type of platform. And then the other one, which I do a lot of as well, is I do a lot of keynote speaking and I also do this kind of speaking is like um, retreats. So I love, um, we do like 12 retreats throughout the year in Asia, in Europe, in America, North America. Um, and what we do is we organize three-day retreats for people and, and they're on subject topics like songwriting and music and creativity. And people pay, and they might pay say $2,000 to come on one of these retreats. And that includes the, the three days at the retreat, learning with me or one of my teachers, and also it would include maybe an online component, online course component to it as well. Now, the good thing about that is essentially you can kind of make up, well, where do I want to travel in the world? I want to be in, I want to go to Vietnam. Okay. How can I put together a retreat in Vietnam? Uh, what is the, you know, how can I do that? So you can get really creative. There's a guy called Mike, Mike Hancock, who's a New Zealand speaker, um, who was actually speaking on the International Speaker Summit the other day. And that's what he does. He has lots of retreats all around the world because he loves traveling. But he also loves training people and giving and having those small to make that stuff work. You could literally have like I've seen it work from six people, as small as six people. The ones I do like the 30 people, but literally you can have six people in a room if, if the pricing's right. And you can have a great time three days and then spend like a month in that place because you've you've financed the cost of, of doing it as well so these are the different types of opportunities available for you as speakers but you can just choose whatever your topic is you basically just have to decide which of those ones avenues do you want to pursue and then there's, there's different people that can train you on those different types of, of ways of building your speaker business i love how you broke that down so it's like keynote speakers platform speakers and retreat speakers um yeah. and i love the fact that uh, you know as digital nomads you can actually like uh, i'm going to machu picchu for example in peru in a few months and uh, i'd love to actually do a retreat there so you got yeah. me thinking here i actually should bring people there and they can actually yeah. help finance my machu picchu trip well funny enough Dan daniel gutierrez who's a speaker i had on the summit who's a uh, um a latin latino speaker i actually and know him personally because he's oh, I know him personally from uh, him came coming to Vancouver. So oh, yes. Okay. So Daniel's great because, and I know he's just uh, in the process of purchasing a property in near Machu Picchu um, because he loves doing retreats like me. Um, and so he's organizing a retreat location so he can bring people in and allow other speakers, other trainers to treat there as well. I know Michael Port, I think, is running it, is doing a similar thing as well in in the states. So. 
you can, by collaborating with other speakers, you often find out that, well, actually, that speaker's got a location. I don't even have to worry about another location. I can just go in there. We partner up. He or she can help promote, sell some of the tickets. I'll sell some of the tickets. And you have a, you have a really cool event. So James, you're, you're a real well-established speaker who's been doing this for a number of years now, getting paid to speak around the world. What would you say to someone who's just starting? I mean, someone might be just in Toastmasters, for example, which is an amazing organization to teach you about public speaking, overcoming your fears, et cetera. And we all know speaking is one of the biggest fears in the world after dying. People would rather be in the grave rather than re uh, reading the eulogy, as they say. So tell us about what would you tell the person listening and viewing who's just starting as a speaker? Where should they go? What should they do? I mean, I would say that the technologies and the options are changing all the time. And the tactics are changing all the time, but principles pretty much stay the same. You need to ask yourself first and foremost, why? Why do you want to speak? What is your motivation? Some people, it's, it's a financial thing. They want to speak on big stages, keynote speaking. For other people, it's because they have a burning message that they want to get out to the world. For other people, they want a lifestyle because they want to be able to travel. Get really clear. On, on the why, first of all. And then you start to think about the what, like what is the topic you are speaking, you want to speak about, what is that? And and do some research, find out other, other people that are speaking on that topic. What are some of the things they speak on around that topic? Then ask the who, you know, who are the people you want to speak to? Because, you know, in the next few years, we're going to have 3 billion people coming online for the very first time. You know, these are 3 billion people that want to learn about leadership motivation how to travel with your families and travel around the world being a digital all these different areas but getting really clear on who your avatar your ideal customer is ideal audience is is great so once you kind of have all those bits together you can get clear there then it's a case of just like finding my friend frederick he calls it his inner theme um other people might call it the like uh tamsin webster who works with tedx she calls it a red a red thread it's finding that one thing, and the, the, the best way I can explain it to you is someone said to me the other day, if you only had, if you only had a day left with your, your child, your son or your daughter, or if you don't have kids, if you only had a day with, with a close family member, and you, a young family member, and you had to pass on something to them, what would it be? What's, that, what's the thing? What's that theme? How could you then turn that into a keynote and a speech you can go and give? Because if that's, you know, and, and also make it available to to that kind of audience. And it could be on so many different areas, but focusing on that. And then you just have to do the craft of getting good at your speech. And there's lots of people good at, you mentioned Toastmasters, joining speaking associations. Basically, um, I, I interviewed someone the other day, I think it was um, Rory Vaden, who was coached by Zig Ziglar, a really great speaker. And he said, he, he was told, go and give a thousand speeches. You know, just go and give a thousand speeches. That sounds mad, but um, you have to go and speak out for free and just gonna get into it and like refine it and get better. And you'll suck when the first time you go out, you'll be terrible. I'm I absolutely I'm just terrible. Everyone's terrible. But you just get better and better and better. And then gradually over time you start to get fees, get paid for things, and you build it upon, and then you can then start building out from there other revenue streams around it, your online programs, your courses, your coaching, your consulting, your your retreats, whatever the areas you want to do. But I think it all still goes back to the why. And once you understand the why, then it makes a lot of the other things much simpler. Yeah, it's a great way of saying it. And I love what you said about if you had one day to live or one hour to live, what would you tell that loved one? So what is it for you, James? Mm -hmm. What is that uh, thing you would tell 
your closest person in your life? I, I, my, my thing is that they're creative. We're all born creative. And the really sad thing is, you know, we're all born with this immensely human thing. You know, computers, AI, machine learning is going on incredibly well. But there's one thing that we have now at the moment, it may not always be like this, but the one thing we have just now, which sets us apart, which is this ability to create, to innovate, to, to, to think in that way. Unfortunately, only, four, uh, I think it's like, four, in the north, it depends where you are in the world, but in, uh, in much of the world, like 40% of the people um, consider themselves creative, which means 60% of the population do not consider themselves creative. And I just think that's a huge waste of human potential. And for me, it's about getting as many of that 60% or whatever that number is, realizing that they have this unique ability to be creative. And it doesn't have to do with, you know, I, I, you know talent, music or anything like that. It has the ability to be able to think in a creative way, whether that's a creative as a parent, whether that's a, an entrepreneur, as a writer, whatever the, the area is, you know, a scientist. It's, it's about a way of thinking, and that's what I want to get across. Wow, that, what a shocking statistic. You know, I consider myself creative, and I know I could be much, much, much more, more creative, but uh, uh, that's a very shocking and uh, sad that 60% don't think that they're creative. So good on you. Uh, you know, you've inspired literally thousands, if not millions of people to become more creative. Uh, James, I'd, I'd love to touch on the area of your summit. I, I know uh, that's one of your big passions currently, and that's how we connected through your International Speaker Summit. So tell us about some of the summits you've ran already and the one that you're currently running as we record this interview. Let me, I'll take you back. The reason I started doing these summits, I saw um, someone reached out to me to speak on a summit, probably at the end of 2016, I would say, maybe like say September 2016. And I'd never heard of a summit before. And I'm like, oh, what's a summit? And online summit. And they told me I was a guest on it. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. This is really cool. And then I decided, okay, well, I'm going to try one. I'm going to put one together. And one of my areas I work in, one of my niche businesses is in in guitar. You know, people go on guitar retreats and learning guitar online. And I'm not a guitar player, but I, I work with people that do this. So um, I said, I'm going to put a guitar, together a guitar summit, an online guitar summit. Well, we did that and we had over 10,000 people sign up and attend that online summit where I interviewed like 50 amazing guitarists just in a very niche style of guitar playing called finger style or finger style jazz guitars so very niche but yet we had over 10,000 attendees on the back of that we sold lots of vip passes and on the back of that we sold lots of places to our retreats as well so okay this is great this works decided to do another one in january which is around creativity and that did really well and then uh i was getting getting more doing i was speaking at a thing in singapore at the start of the year and it was for professional speakers i was like how cool would it be to put together an event for for speakers, aspiring professional speakers online, rather than have to go to a live event, a live conference. And I, I reached out to a couple of speaker friends and said, would you be interested in me interviewing you for this? Yeah, sure, let's do it. As a result, and I had my expectations were literally, I want to create the kind of event I would want to go to. I want to scratch my own itch. That was my goal. I want to learn from the best. I want to, in, and if this gets me a chance to interview some of the best speakers in the world, Awesome. That's great. So I get to interview the best speakers in the world. Um, and then I get to share it with my tribe, my fellow speakers, aspiring professional speakers. And who knows, might even make some money at, at the end. Um, so we, we did that. And I thought maybe I'll have 100 
100 um, attendees maybe on this online summit and maybe I'll have, I don't know, 12 guests, guest speakers. In the end, I got uh, over 60 of the world's best speakers. I mean, these are Speaker Hall of Fame inductees, people like Jack Canfield, Sally Hogshead, Michael Port, Simon T. Bailey. I got uh, 25 what are called CSPs or Certified Speaking Professionals. I got uh, 15 CSP Globals, you know, these people speak real, on a global stages. Um, and then plus all of these other speeches. And then we had over 5,000 people register to attend the online summit. Um, and it just kind of, that kind of blew my mind. I just didn't expect that at all. Um, so that's kind of where we got. So we started doing summits. And now as a result of that, I'm now, all these people are saying, that's great. So what, what are you going to do next time? And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm having to think about, you know, what, you know, where you go next with it. And, and, and for the time being, I'm just focused on just, you know, as you mentioned, just kind of finishing up. So anyone can go on once this, even once the summit's finished, they'll be able to go on and, and register and get access to the evergreen to all the, all the interviews. There's like 60 plus interviews. Plus many of the guests are giving additional bonuses. Plus I've created additional bonuses. I've created a course on how to create online courses and on membership programs for speakers. My wife, who's a singer has created a course on uh, looking after your voice as a speaker, really important and, and vocal health. Um, so we'll put that all together and that's, that's, you know, that's the, the summit and people can, can register for that. But, but honestly, it was great fun. I would, I would highly encourage you, anyone to do it. And I know you're kind of working on stuff just now as well. Yes. Um, the guy, the guy to check out who I think is just the master at teaching this stuff is a guy called Navid Moaz, um, uh, from, from Sweden. And, uh, he has a great program called virtual, uh, summit mastery, I think it's called. And it can basically teaches you how to do that. So regardless of what your niche is, um, I think summits are really cool. I don't know how much longer they'll last. I mean, I think we're going through a phase just now where they're really popular. And I can see that maybe ending at some point. But for just now, and especially if you're in, you're in a market where this is kind of new, like I'm in, in speaking, this was kind of new. It hadn't really been done before. People are going to go, oh, wow, this is really cool. This is great. So yeah, maybe it's different if you're in the health and fitness. It's a bit more difficult and things. There's summits have been going around for a while. But um, in some other ones, like you're talking about Digital Nomad, I can totally imagine this is a kind of, you know, summit it will be a really great thing there. Yeah, you know, it's a definitely a hot trend in internet marketing, online uh, digital marketing. Uh, I've seen it in the last few years. So uh, what have you learned in terms of um, um, how to run one successfully? I mean, what are your mistakes you made uh, for someone like me who's doing my first one this November? And uh, a lot of the listeners and viewers, they might want to do their own summit. So uh, give us your insider secrets of what worked and what didn't work. Yeah. So I'll tell you the mistakes I make so you don't have to make them. Uh, mistake number one, I didn't give myself enough time. So uh, even with this summit, the speaker summit, uh, you know, we're, we're, uh, I probably, I had this hand, but I probably didn't start reaching out to the potential guests until maybe three to four months before the event started. That's, you need, you need to give yourself six months if you want to do it well, I think. Um, uh, because there's a lot of planning, a lot of thinking uh, around it, a lot of positioning and stuff. That's the first point. The other point is I assumed that the, the, the most well-known speakers on my summit would be the people that would bring in all the all the attendees. That was not the case. Um, sometimes the, the people that bring in the most attendees are the people you might not necessarily think of like a big profile, but they have a really engaged list and they're really willing to go out and and just promote like hell uh, you know, for that. 
Um, another thing I did, which a lot of other summits I know don't do, but I'm a big fan of it because it's just I like partnerships, is I did a lot of uh, bringing in sponsors. And uh, with my sponsors, some of them, I, they, they pay to be a sponsor. Other ones, I just asked them, listen, will you do an email to your list? And will you promote to your list? If I think there's a lot of alignment. So I would find, try and build up some good partnerships around it as well. Um, and other things I would say is, yeah, just maybe think through your 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 virtual, um, whatever you call it, your virtual pass or the thing that someone buys. Because uh, essentially, if you do it well, and um, the way that we did it on this last summit, you know, it started, people can get in as soon as they, they, they find, sign up for a free pass. Anyone can watch for free for the first 48 hours. But if they wanted, they could upgrade to a, a, a VIP pass, which initially was only $27. Um, and then it went up when the summit started to $47 and then went up again to $97. And at the end of it, it's going to go up again. Um, so I think you can th think through what those levels need to be and when you want to do that and the timing wise and, um, you know, just you know, get lots of spreadsheets. And I'm, I'm lucky because I, I have a bit of a team. I've got a team in the Philippines. I couldn't do it. Any reason we've been able to do it in such a short period of time is I literally just I, my assistant uh, uh, arranges the interviews. We talk about who to interview. He reaches out, sets the interviews up. Um, I do the interviews. I do the prep, do the interviews. And then my video editor and audio editor, Mark, then takes that. I upload to Dropbox. He then takes that, does all the fancy stuff with it. Um, and, <laughs> and, and that's it. And, and, I, and I also, we use a system called Entreport which is our CRM, which is a bit like Infusionsoft, if anyone uses Infusionsoft. And that is really cool because it, it kind of, we used to use lead pages, and this may be a bit technical now, but we used to use lead pages, but now everything is pretty much on Entreport. So all of our opt-in pages, our sales pages, our you know free uh, video pages, everything, all of our emails that go out, daily emails, all of our affiliate side, everything is handled within Entreport. The only thing we don't use Entreport for is for the VIP members, they get a special area uh, which we use uh, Kajabi for as well. But people go to my site; you can you can find links to some to these these different things as well. And thanks for sharing. I mean, all of those uh, kind of mistakes you made um, uh, that's very valuable. So we don't have to make them ourselves. Uh, also, tell us about how you get the big names because uh, a lot of summit creators they would love to have the Jack Canfields, the Tony Robbins, you know, the the Pat Flynn's, the John. Uh, Chows, et cetera. They're these big names that pretty much uh, everyone knows. Uh, and it's funny that you mentioned that they are not the ones that draw people. But still, it's good to have the big names. So yeah. what are your tips and advice for getting those big uh, keynotes onto your summit? Yeah, so you, I think essentially you, you built, put together your A list, your B list, and your C list. Um, and, and I knew that there was a couple of speakers I really, really wanted. And they were kind of what we call speaker hall of fame speakers. And I knew it was how difficult it is to get those. And I've got uh, six Speaker Hall of Fame speakers on this summit. Um, so I, you kind of like start working out, well, I know someone that does know this speaker. You use LinkedIn and you can use other tools for it. So what I would do is I would, I would, I would kind of have that A-list, but I would kind of go for the B-list first. And I know this is not the way that's always told people to do it, but I, I went for the B-list first. And I just got people who I knew were really solid. They were just awesome they had great content. They had loyal followings. I went for them first. And then as a result of that, in, in, whenever you do an interview with someone, uh, you know, or when you're, you're doing your prep stuff with them, uh, the last question you ask is like, 
you know, if we were to just like, if you was just like one other amazing speaker for this summit, who would it be? And um, they will often suggest someone that maybe is the next rung up from them in, in the ladder, in our case, the speaking ladder. And I said, awesome, can you make an introduction to that person? And then that gets you the introduction. And I think it's so much more powerful if you can go to someone and say, hey, uh, we just had such and such, you know, you're recording his interview for this thing. Would you come on? Uh, you know, he suggested you for this. These are the people we've got. And then honestly, it just takes one or two uh, in the in the A list. And then it's so much easier to get the other A list as well. Um, you just need to get those one or two. And then it's, you know, it's, uh, it's you know, it's. I was going to say heard, but that's the wrong way of saying it. It's, it's you know, success breeds success. A players yeah. want to work with A players. Um, and if they can see there's other A players involved, then it's much easier to get them on board. Yeah, you know the strategy you mentioned is kind of like what I do with my podcast. Um, I, I basically um, interview, um, you know, digital nomads, speakers, coaches, consultants, anyone who can pretty much work anywhere remotely around the world. And uh, I, I do that similar formula, the ABC. Uh, obviously, there are these big digital nomads. I love to interview, like Nomadic Matt, for example, Planet D or Gary Arndt, uh, super famous uh, people in the digital nomad space. And then I have my B-listers, and then I have my C-listers who are just friends who are digital nomads, and nobody knows who they are. Are, but they have amazing stories and yeah. uh and and pretty much at the end ask them hey do you know anyone who would be a great guest for my show and you know even reaching out cold like i reached out to you cold james and uh, yeah. I, uh i actually made the connection to your summit that's how i found out about you and you were um, you know ready willing and able to come on my show so thanks for that no i mean it's great. and i think that's i mean i think there's real value in in kind of what you do and other people put summits together because this is not it's not an easy path to do this it's not an easy thing to do um if you do it well it should look completely effortless if you do it well um so so you a lot of people out there and in the digital nomad world or the speaking world doesn't really matter you know a lot of them are maybe great authors and they love just like getting the head down and writing and they're quite solitary they, they they're you'd be amazed at amongst the top professional speakers how many of them are not exhibitionists they're, they're, they're quite quiet people um so they hate the idea of organ they would hate the idea of organizing something like this but there are people like like yourself maybe myself as well you know who we love connecting with people we love saying oh if you've heard this person you've got to check out this person you know it's like i, I was obviously big into music and you know, still big into music and i would i would be the guy that was saying oh if you have if you got if you like that artist well you would love this artist you know, putting together mixtapes almost this is like summit is like the modern mixtape except for my, <laughs> online marketers so um so i think you can you can absolutely do that because even though you may feel that that is not a a usp account but honestly there are so many people that will not want to do this kind of thing because it, it, it does require work and it requires you know ability to communicate with people from very different background just do all this stuff that requires to create a summit absolutely james um you know what's next for you uh we've covered a lot of topics everything from creativity to speaking uh to your retreats and now to your summit so what is next for you uh where do you see yourself in the next few years um and beyond well once the summit is this over you know, even though it will be available people can still you know continue to, to get access to it but i'm going to sleep probably for about three days that's what i'll do um I'll just like relax for a couple of days and then we start and we work in um, three month, like 90 day cycles. 
So we're coming to the end of our this current 90 day and we're already planning what's in the next 90 days. So basically then we're, we're going to get planning for that. What's going to happen. I know that I'm in this next 90 days. I'm on the road a lot. I'm good traveling. I'm going to be seven weeks in, in the States. Um, so I'm running three events. I'm going to be at three events there and I'm also speaking at events and then I've got other meetings and things and also having some vacation time. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what's, that's what's next. And in terms of next project, if people just go to jamestaylor.me because frankly, sometimes I don't know what's next. Um, but if you just go to jamestaylor.me, sign up forward slash free, or you sign up to any of the opt-in things there, um, you'll be on the list and then I'll, I'll update you as stuff goes on. Some of it, you may go, that's amazing. I want to be on that. Some things like, uh, not, not, not for me whatever you know just kind of find but if you're into i think it, you know us as nomads digital nomads we kind of share you know free values very high value for us um and and i think those kind of people and i think uh, chris grillabo talks about it a lot i, I spoke to him about this i'm not sure if it's on, on my podcast or when i've spoken to him about it but we've had discussion people often talk about you know demographics who's your ideal avatar demographics but the way that Chris thinks about it is he wants, he thinks about people if they're unconventional, that's his demographic. The unconventional thinking, the freedom is a, is a strong thing for them. Um, so, so I think amongst digital nomads, we're kind of, we're the freedom. We're freedom is a big thing for us. We went in terms of how we build our business, how we live our lives, you know, how, how we spend time with our families. Um, so I think, you know, that for me, so if you want to be part of this tribe that I'm part of and you're part of, then you know, come over to jamestaylor.me and, and, and get registered. I have a podcast there as well. And you can listen to some of the, the other guests that we have on, on the podcast. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time. I know you're uh, in the midst of a massive summit and uh, you took time off your, your busy schedule to be uh, on the show. I definitely value that and acknowledge that. So thank you for that, James. And uh, uh, tell us about the other links uh, you mentioned uh, besides James Taylor, the the summit, the retreats, et cetera. So where can they find out about those other uh, aspects of your business? Yes, yeah. yeah, so people go to just go to jamestaylor.me and you can find all the links there for everything that, that we have. That's really like the, the shop window for everything. And you can find out about my speaking. You can find out about all my online programs. You can find out about the summits, different summits that we do. You can find out about all the stuff related to creativity. There's a bunch of free things there about the podcast. I like you. I, I have a TV, uh, a YouTube uh, channel as well, um, which is slightly different from the podcast. Podcast is the interview like this, where the TV is basically just me riffing for like four minutes to camera. That's basically what it is. Um, and actually, it's great because this is a really useful thing. Uh, if, if you want to get into speaking, one of the first things you can do, get a YouTube channel and just get in front of a camera and try bits. You can essentially think think about your, your speaking keynote uh, that you're going to give your presentation like a really great album and uh you're gonna have songs in it and and by creating these little videos and little youtube videos they're almost like the songs within the album you can test out well that song doesn't work oh i'm not doesn't that song doesn't work that song's really resonating with my audience and you can test out different things and you can basically put your set put your album together at the end of that very cool. So, James, thanks again for your time. Uh, make sure you check out uh, jamestaylor.me uh, and find out all about his different uh, businesses he runs, everything from creativity to speaking to summits to retreats to guitar training to much, 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 much more. Thanks, James. Thanks for having me. All the best. All the best uh, with your summit. Well. I'm, I'm going I'm to be registering for your summit when it starts. Well, you're actually going to be a speaker, potentially. So <laughs> stay tuned for that. <laughs>
so thanks everyone for tuning into this episode, a really enlightening episode about everything from speaking to creativity to retreats to online summits. If you have any questions, make sure you reach out to James. Uh, as you can tell, he's very friendly, very open, very willing to give back support to make a difference in your life and in the life of millions of others. Uh, thanks for tuning in to Digital Nomad Mastery. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a radio review. If you're watching this, it's on YouTube as well. Uh, uh, subscribe, comment, and share. And uh, you know, follow us all over the internet, Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the videocast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world.